1: now, live on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app, it's Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez. Three, that's the magic number. Morel going to third. He will slide. He's got it's a triple. Number. Rose trying to get open. Fires away. Three,
2: it's over. The Bulls play. win. That's a buzzer. That's the magic number. Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron in studio, broadcast live from The Score Hyundai Studios, brought to you by local Hyundai dealers. Hanging out with you guys for an extendo. No, not like John Moran. Just an extendo shift. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Clarify these things. Do not uh-huh. put me in the same conversation. No, I have, on, no problem. I have nothing on me. Mm. Don't pat me down, though, because you might find something else. Damn, but, but no guns, though. No <laughs> guns on me, I, I assure you that. Not on this show. Uh, but we will start it the same way we always do. These are the top three stories that have been living rent-free in my brain in no particular order.
1: Number three going to finish one rebound shy of a triple-double. And
3: that'll
4: do it. Oh, he got it. Does that count? <laughs> it's got it, right? Oh, Shot it down. They Davis told him. Style. The bench told him. Giannis has his triple-double. His tenth rebound in the final few seconds. His fourth triple-double yeah. of the season. I love it.
2: As people were complaining about Joker and padding his stats, here we see Giannis Antetokounmpo throw the ball off the rim at the very final (laughs) second to get his last rebound to to get him a triple-double, but the NBA rescinded it. That was the the cool thing today, is that uh, the NBA said that like per their rule, it has to be on a shot that someone is actually attempting Mm. to make the bucket. So if he would have like Shot it and it would have hit like the front of the rim to come off. Yeah. Then he would have got a rebound. But the fact that he just like went up and kept like did a mic and drill against the right, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> front, yeah. front thing.
5: So you hooped in high school. You know about yes. the Mike and Drill. Yeah. So like when you do the LeBron deal where you lob it off the backboard to yourself and yam it, yeah. you're not really getting no a rebound. rebound credited for that. Remember Dennis Rodman used to do that a bunch to pad yeah. his rebound stats? Yeah. He'd be right there under the rim and then just like knock it right there between the rim and the backboard area knowing he was going to be able to get it again. And so he'll get his 23rd and 24th yeah. rebound instead of just his 20th the fu- rebound. The, the or whatever. funny
2: thing is that he, is, he was so bad offensively that but the unbelievable was 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 right like, 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 oh, well, like it's Dennis right, like, man. you, know, you
1: Dunk that right? right, You're not gonna uh-huh. shoot a layup off the backboard
2: <laughs> to do that. What do you think about him, like, you know, being one rebound shy and then just the, the attempt? Like, what do you think about hey, just
5: I'd have probably done the same thing. I yeah. mean, you know, if I'm in Giannis's position, I want that at the triple double. I can understand that if you basket. were like a
2: role player, uh-huh. you know what I'm saying? If you were all a right. bench player, I get that, but Giannis,
5: see, I kind of like see it the other way around though. Giannis. Like, the,
2: the bench player guy might
5: be the one who wants to be like, well, you know what, let me try to make every shot, whereas Giannis, right. like, all right, you know. If I get another missed shot on my stat sheet, but it leads to a rebound, <laughs> right, right. Or you can just be out there playing around with stuff when you're Giannis Antetokounmpo. You know, if you're somebody yeah. else, you got to take every moment as seriously
2: as possible. Giannis, you're better than that. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, I'm glad the NBA uh, decided against it and, and didn't let him get, uh, get that extra rebound.
1: Number two. With 2.7 seconds left, Bulls playing for a tie here. 125-122, Beverly near mark, sideline right It's play to Vooch, around, jumper right side for three, hit right rim, no ball game over, Indiana wins it
4: 125-122 Indiana wins the season series, three games
2: to one. Not necessarily the shot the Bulls were looking for at the end Man. fade away, Vooch, three pointer tough, right, because you, you think DeMar could potentially get the ball, you know Zach's going to be the one to get it, but I mean, even just steps before that, right? But you
5: want a three-point shooter to get the ball. That ain't the (laughs) box. Right. I mean, they shouldn't
2: even have been in that situation. Tyrese (laughs) Halliburton hit a three-pointer from, like, 10 feet behind the three-point line to give him that lead. And a lot of people are coming down on Zach for missing that free throw. He got fouled from the three-point line right before that. Makes two out of three. But the three-pointer, if if, if Tyrese hits three, they still lose. So it just doesn't matter, right? Right. But, damn, what what is up with my bulls? I'm watching that game yesterday, and I'm just like, it, it was how do I put it? As I was, it was very predictable because mm-hmm. it was like Demar gets it, you know what's going to happen. Zach gets it, you know what's going to happen. Vuce gets it, you know what's going to happen. Like everyone knows what's going to happen in those situations. But the real issue, and for me, was listen. Everybody knows the Bulls are struggling to to make threes this season, mm-hmm. right? That's like, that's an issue for them. They were struggling to attempt threes, they even don't attempt don't threes, don't even make it You're absolutely yeah. right. Uh-huh. But it was highlighted so much yesterday because the Bulls, you know. They, let's say they made you know ten buckets to start the game, mm-hmm. right? But they only got twenty, right? Right, yeah. and then and then you see you see Indiana just smack seven threes. Uh-huh. You know, not as many buckets, but they're right in the but they game. Got the lead. They got the lead right. right there. Yeah. And you're like, you're like, oh my god, this is so frustrating <laughs> that that the Bulls are actually playing well and hitting hitting shots, but they just they can't make threes at the same rate. And like uh, Duarte, Halliburton were just mm-hmm. absolutely dominating from the three point line, and it felt like. You know, you just could, couldn't get away from that because the Bulls on the other side just couldn't match that. And, and it was just so fr- frustrating. I mean, hopefully the Bulls address that. I'm sure they will in the offseason. Well, I we thought last yeah, off season, right. I, I it last offseason, man. I pulled back a
5: second. I We were having the same discussion around AK and Eversley last offseason. Like, yeah, this team, they need some rim protection. Still, they need some three-point shooters. They didn't get any rim protection. Yeah. They didn't get any more three-point shooters. And then Lonzo obviously still not healthy. So, I mean, nothing that it felt like they should have addressed, like, hey, all right, we don't know that the health of Lonzo Ball. Let's go ahead and get another better point guard option. And obviously their options are limited just because, you know, financially, all right, you max Zach over the offseason. What are you really going to do with that? You're hoping that they're going to get Io DeSumo to develop more as a point guard. And Alex Caruso is going to be healthy. So it's kind of like they had this this sort of hodgepodge style mix of how they wanted to try and survive until Lonzo Ball came back. And not only did they not survive without him, he doesn't come back, and so now you're this team that's what seven games under 500. Extremely frustrating. This deep frustrating. In the season, just a shot. I don't know if there's another team. I'm confident there's not another team in basketball no. that's
2: underachieved more than this no. season's Bulls. You're sitting there tied for tenth with Indiana. They have the lead, so you're essentially uh, you're essentially uh, excuse me, twelfth. You're tied for eleventh. You're essentially twelfth in that situation. It's frustrating. The Bulls, right. you know, got some games left, and you know, Demar. After the game, still felt like there was some some learning that could be done after the game. So you talking to the youngsters there when we walked in, Is that just –
4: to keep everybody on the same page? Or just
2: keep everybody on the same page. Just understand the moments
5: where we lose we lose the lead or um, mental mistakes or, you know, just, just just the small details of the game that can put you in, in a position of in coming down to the last shot in the last couple possessions. You know, just understanding that, trying to get just a feel, feeling that and understand, you know, the pros and cons of mistakes made at certain points in the game, especially in the fourth quarter, and just, you know, being aware of that and understanding When that happens,
2: how the game slow down, just understand how you get to your spots, just little things about the game. A little too late for that. But uh, something, you know, I play ball every Monday with my 3 room two crew. And we were playing today, and somebody said something, and they had no idea that it would also work when talking about the Chicago Bulls. But there was a lot of ISO ball today. Uh, You know what I'm saying? Guys were getting Uh, the ball, and they were, like, doing the thing. And somebody goes, somebody goes, if you want to play thirty-two, we'll just stop the game. <laughs> so like, the, like the thirty-two uh, or twenty-one, whatever right, you play, yeah, in Chicago. Yeah, right. if you want to play thirty-two? we can just – and I'm like, huh, that's like the Bulls. <laughs> like, if you guys want to play one, that's I'm a like, good line.
1: That, that's a great line for this Chicago. So I'm glad I was able to
2: use it in that sense. It's like, come on, bro. We, we should be better than that. But Been Bears, a minute since
5: I played twenty-one, man. Hey,
2: I I I stopped my so in my my three room two crew. Every Monday we play. We used to play twenty one, but mm. I'm not. I, I'm not. I didn't grow up in the Steph Curry era. Oh, uh, right. I grew up in the yeah. D Rose and Michael Jordan era, where I like to get to the cup. I like to you know, uh-huh. get handles. Yeah. So all these other younger guys, they could shoot three pointers like it's okay. crazy. Okay. So twenty one, you know, we we shoot them from the the, the free the extra points or whatever. We shoot them from the three point line. Uh. So I switched thirty two on that. One. That's, <laughs> that's why somebody was like, we
1: don't play thirty two.
2: Then you might as well just stay over there. Anyway. All right, number one, last one is I. One. This one's been interesting because it was it was essentially the fact that you know polls was quoted as saying, you know, uh, talking to Peter King, like, hey, I'm confident that I can get a a 24, 2024 and 2025 first round pick Mm -hmm. for this number one pick this year. I'm curious. I've I've been wanting to talk to you about this and this particular statement. I thought that that was not a possibility. Mm -hmm. But the fact that the GM came out and said it so boldly and plainly. Yeah, it, it was shocking to me. So does that mean that anything other than that? is a failure at this point that's what it sounds like man. Right? He, he's put it out there in the cosmos
5: he said it to peter king the football guy of football guys you know since all of us have basically our, our entire football lives True. peter king has been one of the main nfl writers in the industry so if he's willing to say that on the record to peter king then yeah you can't settle for anything less than that you're gonna if you're gonna move off the top pick unless now that's the basement that's the floor but That's if you want to go beyond that and say well alright I'll be willing to adjust it a little bit if you put a player with it you know mm. if you kind of you know can, can piece things together in a little bit of a different way if it's not two ones and you know some other picks in future years or something like that but it's alright I get you one this year you're one next year but then also you throw a player in there with it you can kind of you know, piece the puzzle
2: together in, in a variety of ways if some players are going to be involved in it, too. Do you think he's saying that, and this is just this is your opinion, mm-hmm. do you think he's saying that because teams that are outside of the top five might have been throwing that around, and that's not mm-hmm. necessarily, you know, where Bears fans would love them to stay within the top five? And that even has changed, and we'll get to that in just a second. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe the maybe a 24 and 25 number one isn't a reality if you're still trying to stay in the top five? Or do, do you think... That there are some teams that have been flirting, because that's what I think this is, flirting. Mm. Hey, baby girl, I'll give you a 24 and 25. <laughs> I don't believe it until I see it. And I think people are flirting. So, or, or do you think that that flirtationship is happening with some of the teams in the top five as well? I think that he's had enough conversations, especially
5: once he got to ending, he's face-to-face with a few folks where he's, he's confident. In saying that he can get that, but also wants it to be known, like he yeah. wants to put it out there. Oh, I love that. that this is what's out there. So 30. these are the waters you got to swim in if you come <laughs> to talk to me about the I number one that. overall pick. And so come correct, or don't even blow up my phone. I love that because he could just be lying.
2: Yeah, he could just be like, "Yeah, yeah, I, I know I can get this." Like, oh, okay, okay. Can. <laughs> right. All right, there's your trifecta, ladies and gentlemen. That's a magic number. Right here on six seventy to score. I am Gabe Ramirez. He is Anthony Herron, and I alluded to it a second ago about uh, maybe a team in the top five not necessarily being some uh, trade partner for the Chicago Bears. Uh, and before I get to that, I want to shout out everybody listening on the Odyssey app, taking us with you everywhere you go. Also, yes, got a shout out to HD2 crew, 104.3 HD2, okay. for coming in loud and clear over there. And the Seattle Seahawks uh, made it loud and clear that they're starting quarterback next year. Oh, I thought year. you were shouting
5: out the Seahawks, too. Nah.
2: I'm try trying to do a cool transition. I got you. Yeah. Uh, that they made it clear their starting quarterback is going to be Geno Smith next okay. season after he signed his three-year, 105 million dollar deal. You know what? Shout out
5: to the Seahawks for uh, for cutting that check. Yeah, shout them out for that. I'm mad at him.
2: And let's be honest. Sometimes you you know they're. I'm sure what they're really trying to do is create a situation where they can draft a young quarterback right. that can play under a very good Geno Smith. You cannot play Geno Smith. He was highly touted coming out of college, didn't necessarily have the infrastructure playing for the Jets initially, but we saw last season he's extremely capable of running the offense in the NFL.
5: You glossed over where he gets his face broken by a teammate, too. Didn't like, that really happened wanna. in there somewhere. I not to. Also, right. You know, I mean, yeah, but it, it, so that took I place, kind of derailed <laughs> things a little bit. But then, you know, he's back, he's in the league, he's back up for a little while and has a career year. And you love seeing that. You love, I mean, you know, at least I love seeing that. That this guy who's kind of been been through the ringer a little bit, both on the field and off. Yeah, you know, touted draft pick coming in, performs up and down in bad situations like you're talking about now. Here, found some stability in Seattle and and just lights it up for most of the year in the NFL. And now we'll get compensated yes. along the lines of what he what he played at. But then also, it's not this commitment to the extent that the Seahawks are making. Where, you know, I don't think this rules them out. From drafting no, a quarterback. You know, at I, all. I don't think this rules them out from saying that maybe Geno's not definitively our guy of the future, but he's our guy of the present, yep. and then maybe we draft this developmental prospect. Like, who knows? Maybe mm-hmm. it's an Anthony Richardson type, a Will Levis type, who I think are both developmental-type quarterbacks. So who knows? Maybe a Hendon Hooker. I don't know exactly when yeah. Hendon Hooker is going to be healthy, but he's got 25 years old. We're not sure. Maybe he's closer to his ceiling than some of these guys who are coming into the league at 21, 22 years old. But coming off that injury – You know Geno can be our day one starter and then you can bring a Hendon Hooker type along slowly. So the Seahawks are at least paying Geno money that he says "All right, I got my generational wealth that I've been hoping for throughout my career and now from here I can be confident I'm probably going to be the starter at least this season. Maybe continue to play at a high level. Maybe keep some rookie on the bench. I think the Seahawks are still in a position right now with this deal. Reportedly three years, $105 million where they can say, you know what? Geno, you're happy. We're
2: comfortable. Mm
5: -hmm. And now the entire sort of you know, menu is still available to us, whether we go another position or maybe we still draft a QB. Yeah.
2: Well said, Anthony. I mean generational wealth, paying a guy, being a great organization. You know Pete Carroll's there. Right. He's dealt with a lot of college guys. So he understands, like, hey, I'd rather just have this guy right now mm-hmm. and have someone that we can work on in the future. Another team that has secured the rights to a quarterback, the New Orleans Saints, uh, is being reported that Derek Carr is signing a hundred and fifty million dollar deal for four years. It I I Oddly, like that destination yeah. for Derek Carr. I think uh-huh. that that he that, that's a place that he can thrive. You know, they're a very friendly bunch over there in NOLA, <laughs> and and he could be someone that can still get the job done. I know the the odds for them to win the uh NFC South went up dramati- uh, drastically, dramatically, dramatically, uh, a drastically <laughs> um, since since that news broke. I'm cool with coined a new phrase by the way, dramatically.
5: Dramastically. Like I mean, Jim Carrey said, "What did yeah. Jim Carrey you know, say?" Uh, "Ginormous." Jim Carrey said "Ginormous" in a movie. Now everybody uses "Ginormous." You and I I'm could- cool with dramatic. All right,
2: here, let's let's do this. Let's make a bet who uses it first with our wives. All right. You're being dramatic. <laughs> you're being you're hella being dramatic right now. Hella dramatic right now. And I'm going to walk away, and she thinks you're an idiot, but you're like, mm-mm, we made up a new word just for you. All right, Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, about to take a break. On the other side, we get to talk to Bears insider Chris Emma. He was at the Combine. He knows everything that needs to be known about the Chicago Bear team, and we're going to see how much uh, truth there is to that statement from Ryan Poles about whether or not a 2024 and 2025 first-round pick needs to be on the table in order for them to move out of that number one spot. We'll talk to Chris Emma after the break. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron here on Chicago Sports Radio
1: 670, The Score. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.
4: up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com odyssey podcast
1: is there a cap on how many trades you're willing to there's no cap love it yeah just yeah. trade get them all get all the picks. everything yes yes <laughs> just for get, two years get all the picks. <laughs> We're back live with more of Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score and Odyssey Station.
2: It's the most monday is Monday you could think of. Rain in the morning, gloom and doom, and then you just know your ass got four more days left of this hmm. week. But you know what? We're here to make it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, and what could make you feel better? Hearing about the Bears. Always makes me feel better. Sure. Joining us right now. On the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino, Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, to talk about the Bears. He is our reporter for 670 The Score and Odyssey, covering the Bears. And of course, Chicago's teams, also a contributor on Marquee Sports Network. My guy, Chris Emma. What's up, Chris? Big Aunt
0: Gabe, how are we doing? So, know, not
2: as good as you, man. You know, <laughs> we, we don't get to talk about the Bears and cover the Bears every single second like you've been doing, man. How, has that been overwhelming for you? Because, I mean, obviously, in comparison to other years, Chris. I mean, obviously, you're sitting with a team with a ton of cap money, first pick in the draft. You're at the combine. Do you feel like you're you're a celebrity? Are you feel, Are you wearing sunglasses walking around? Like, yeah, I cover the team that got the number one pick in the draft. Mm-hmm.
0: I tell you what, I'll give you this. It was interesting being down in Indy last week and just the the juice and excitement around the Bears. They've not had this kind of energy surrounding them in an offseason for a while, and. And just from the combine perspective, they haven't had a first-round pick. This was what my eighth combine, and I think half of those years they didn't have a first-round pick, let alone the number one overall pick. And 100 million plus in cap space, the ability to spend, they have about 40 million or so more than like I think the next closest team. Last I checked, they're in a prime position to really strike this off season. And last week down in Indy, there was a lot of energy around this team. It it made my life a lot more interesting, that's for sure.
5: So you've gotten to be around, to observe, to interview and interact with Ryan Poles throughout his entire time here as Bears GM, seeing him in Indy. What were your impressions of just him on that combine stage with sort of the world being his oyster right now between the number one pick and the most cap space in the league?
0: Yeah, the word he's used quite a bit, the buzzword, is flexibility. and, And he's pointed to that quite a bit, which is a luxury to have in this position, right? I mean, that's what you get with the number one overall pick. Uh, when you had that, plus the quarterback and Justin Fields who they're committing to, and the camp space available. There's a lot of different avenues they can take here as they look forward to this offseason. Uh, first of all, I should just say, I really like Ryan Poles in those podium sessions or in these podcasts. He did several of them last week. Uh, we heard him on part of my take. I think that was in the intro. He's so smooth and comfortable in these spots. Uh, you want to hear that from an executive if you're a fan, right? I, Ryan Pace, no disrespect, but he seemed like you'd rather be anywhere else but in those <laughs> kind of settings. Ryan Poles has a communications background. He understands what he's doing in those positions, and as it relates to this spot for the Bears where he's got to play his cards a little tight to the vest, but he's also understanding what he can do to try to create leverage to say different things, which may or may not be true, uh, things that he can put out there in the media and get those headlines and create different narratives. I think he's really well prepared for this spot.
2: We're talking to Chris Elma here on 670, the score, Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron. So, I mean, being at the combine, Chris, you know, you're obviously talking to other reporters that are, that are in the same situation as you that have had their, you know, ear to the streets all season long and here they are at the combine. Did you feel like maybe somebody not not that they know what's going to happen, right? Cuz that's a tough thing for them to say. But did you feel like there was some sort of momentum towards a particular direction with any of the other reporters that cover the teams that are sitting in the top 10?
0: You know, I I think you could kind of, it it was interesting though, the way you put that, you know, talking with the reporters who cover different teams. And I think I talked to goodness, a handful of them who are in the top 10 and just kind of, what do you think your team's going to do? How do you see this playing out? Yes. It was a little interesting about collaboration there and, um, I think for me, what was really interesting was hearing from the executives, hearing from Chris Ballard with the Colts in the number two pick and Nick Casario with the number, uh, I'm sorry, Colts of the four pick, number two for the Texans. Nick Casario there, Scott Fitterer uh, sitting in that ninth position with the Panthers and kind of what do you intend to do? I talked about what Ryan Poles was and how smooth he was in those settings. Uh, those guys have to play their own cards and understand where they sit in respect to the number one pick or a potential trade up. And Chris Ballard was a guy who seemed to be kind of on the defensive, which I, I guess you have to be in your position when he's kind of lucky, frankly, to still be in that spot after they clean house of the coaching staff last year. And Ballard's trying to say, you hey, look, look, they can still get a good quarterback at four. That's true, but you don't control your own destiny like you do with the number one overall pick. Scott Fitterer put it a little bit differently and simply said, if there's a chance to go get the guy you have a conviction on, you go do it. Uh, I think there's a trade partner there for sure. I think that's a likely avenue. But I also don't believe a single thing Chris Ballard says about they're comfortable (laughs) taking second, third, fourth, whatever quarterback it is off the board. We know the situation of the Colts. We understand uh, the grip of control that Jim Mercy has on that front office and what he demands out of that, which is a good, young, quality quarterback. I don't think Chris Ballard wants to go to his boss after being granted another chance to come back and say, hey, we got the third quarterback on our board here. They're going to be that team that's aggressive as well. Uh, We understand the Texans' desperate position. It might not be as desperate as the Colts, uh, and I think there is an avenue in which the Texans take toward selecting a guy like Will Anderson and looking toward next year with potentially getting Caleb Williams instead, but... There's going to be a lot of different options in play. Uh, that seven eight nine cluster with the Raiders, the Falcons, and the Panthers trade down possibilities there. What I'm looking at really and that fascinates me is the idea of a double trade down. It's going from one to two or one to four, and then from let's say four to seven or eight, or maybe you look to the Titans of that number eleven pick. There's a lot of different possibilities where you could hit two different trades down, still get a quality player, and really stockpile that draft capital. I think at this point, that might be one of the ideal scenarios in play.
5: What do you make of the fact that Ryan Poles got a little more boisterous, a little more even detailed, I suppose, by the end of his time in Indy, where he's telling Peter King basically that he's he's going to ride or die with Justin Fields at least for this season, and the specific terms that he's already being offered for the top pick?
0: Yeah, I don't think anything necessarily changed. I don't think, you know, we heard the term uh, absolutely blown away by these quarterbacks to consider taking one. I don't think he wasn't blown away. Like, I don't think anything changed in terms of the quarterback position. Uh, They know what they were going to do with Justin Fields. I think there was a lot of narratives, you know, national narratives and people who kind of swooped into town wondering what the Bears are going to do, not really looking at what was right there, the writing on the wall. Justin Fields was going to be the Bears quarterback moving into this season. There was really little chance that they would move on from him and make some kind of crazy trade out. Uh, Speaking with every source and every person within the league that I did last week in Indianapolis, it was so clear the Bears are committed to Justin Fields. The league knows it now. And that's obviously been kind of backed up by the fact that Poles has taken those offers and taken those calls on the number one overall pick and, This is a prime position to be. Uh, They have a really good opportunity here to make that move, and it's a luxury. One source came up to me and said, look, how often does this happen where you got a team who has a number one overall pick and has a quarterback they're very comfortable and confident in building around? And there's not a lot of examples, really. You look to 2016, I think was the one that came back to me with, uh, the Titans trading down from number one to eight because they had Marcus Mariota from the year before. They got a stockpile that included three or two first-round picks plus two seconds and two-thirds. Uh, I think the Bears could even top that now. And we heard Ryan Poles mention the idea of he thinks he's confident he can get three first-round picks. That precedent was kind of set with the deal by the Dolphins and the Niners set two years ago. That should be the goal. You're in position now and you can really cash in.
5: From what you saw and what you heard in Indy and all the results on the field and in interviews, do you feel like the Bears leave the Combine in an even stronger position as Ryan Poles because of what folks evaluated They're in a stronger position now than before we got to Indianapolis?
0: Yes and no. Yeah, I think you have to start with the Jalen Carter thing. And it's there's a lot to unpack there. And it's an unfortunate and obviously tragic situation. And, you know, the legal process will play out. We understand that. It, it comes down to the character and what you view in this kid. And if you're willing to give him a chance with where the bears sit in whether it's number one overall, whether it's the top five or the top ten, how much do you believe in this kid's character? And there's a lot you really have to view there. Uh, the whole situation, obviously, like I said, it's tragic. It's really horrific to think about. But you have to, obviously, if you're a general manager, have to view the football side of it. And It's a little bit different value now as you look toward uh, what you had inside the top five. Say for the number four overall pick where you thought, okay, you can get one of Carter or Anderson. And now if Carter's sitting there on the board and Ford and Anderson's gone, you probably want to trade down. It changes the calculus a little bit. Uh, But on the bright side for the Bears in the combine week, I think all four quarterbacks Uh, really kind of made their own respective impression that they deserved consideration at the top of the draft. And uh, there's going to be a different market now, as you look toward that position, obviously Bryce young, I was important. I know there's a lot of joking about the size, but it was important that he came in over 200 pounds. Uh, We'll see how he throws in his pro day in Alabama. He's got a great opportunity there. Anthony Richardson really kind of confirmed everything the league thought, which is that he's a physical freak and that uh, he do some really special things on the football field. And, Teams are really going to be clamoring at the idea of him and what he could represent for their future. Uh, Will Levis obviously put on a strong showing, but CJ Stroud, I think Daniel Jeremiah on NFL Network said it was the best throwing session he had ever mm-hmm. seen at the Combine. Uh, so all these guys, all four of these quarterbacks in some form really made and enhanced their uh, the impressions made about them. That bodes well for the Bears, not only with the number one overall pick, but what of the situation I mentioned before, Potential double trade down. The Bears could trade to two teams that need a quarterback, number one, and then whether it's two or four, whatever it might be, they have the chance to set up two different teams of their franchise quarterback, really cash in with that stockpile of draft capital.
2: We're talking to Chris Emma on 670 The Score, uh, of course, from Marquee Sports Network and our very own uh, guy here on 670 The Score in Odyssey, Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, now you touched on it a second ago, and and my fear, Chris, obviously, like most Bears fans, because we all read you know all the articles and listen to all the radio stations, and it was that the Bears moving below below the four spot was going to be an issue because of the the possibility of securing the rights to a generational talent. But but that's again, that's only because I didn't get to see the talent on defense at the combine. You were there, you saw some of the guys you mentioned, you know, C.J. Stroud and a and Anthony Anthony Richardson from the quarterback position, but. Was, was was there rumbling surrounding any other defensive players that you feel like would make it worthwhile if the Bears were to move back, let's say, to the 11th spot from the Tennessee, Tennessee Titans? Or do you think that that 11th spot is more so secured to get a guy like a Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, ahead of the Texans at 12?
0: That's the one that jumps out to me, uh, Jackson Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, what he could be for this offense. And getting the chance to talk to him a little bit and He's so drawn to the idea of playing with Justin Fields and reuniting with a guy who was really formed a great connection with him at Ohio State in 2020. and He's really excited about that possibility. Uh, look, the only knock on him was that he had the hamstring issue last year and teams are backing off on him a little bit. He's healthy now. Uh, you have to kind of look at that. Obviously, you trust your medicals, right? That's one of the biggest parts of the combine is going through uh, the medical evaluations and seeing what these prospects are. If he checks out medically and you feel really good about him, then you're okay. Let's say, let's play out the scenario now. Let's say you go down to the 12th pick. I love this. Pick. I'm here for this. I
4: love
0: this conversation. <laughs> Excuse me. So the 11th pick, that's where the Titans are. I think the Titans, a team, could be making the deal for a quarterback. Uh, let's say you're sitting there. Jackson Smith and Jigba is there, potential first uh, receiver taken off the board. Uh, if he checks out medically, I would absolutely make that move. If I don't care where he is on back drafts, if Mel has him down in the first round or NFL network, whatever it is, you don't care. If if you believe in him, you really are confident in what he and Justin Fields can do together at the NFL level. You take him, you don't think twice about it. You feel really good about that one. Uh, I'm fascinated by that possibility. Um, I mean, you look at the rest of this group. Now, uh, Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech, that's somebody who is really making a strong impression. Uh, He might, you know, with the Carter situation, maybe Wilson's that first defensive lineman off the board instead Maybe Carter goes in front of him. You feel really good about Wilson. On the offensive line, now you obviously have some needs there. And this is one of the benefits now if you do make this deal. Uh, early in the process, let's say you do it this week and you trade that number one pick down, and you're looking toward you know maybe picking to the back of the top ten. Peter Skorowski out of Northwestern, Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State, pair of offensive linemen that could really fit this group well. Uh, two guys with really high floors. You feel confident about what they they can be, high ceilings of course as well. Uh, so you start kind of forecasting the way this thing could play out for you here. Uh, and that's what Ryan Poles and his brass have been doing since leaving Indy.
2: Chris, I feel much smarter now. I feel like my group chat better be careful because I got some really good information <laughs> to pretend like it's my opinion now. So uh, I, can't, I can't wait. I'm really glad you jumped on with us. Chris, Emma, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Take care. Of course, Chris, uh, Emma from the Marquee Sports Network and our guy here on 670 to score on a parent company. Odyssey and I wanted to ask you a question. He he mentioned something about Jackson Smith and Jigba and he was talking about the medical evaluation. Believe mm-hmm. your medical evaluation. You've dealt with a lot of injuries mm-hmm. after, you know, playing, right? Not necessarily yep. beforehand. How important is something like that? Like, cause I hear hamstring, right? And I do know I, I do know what that's like to have a hamstring injury and, mm-hmm. and to feel like I if I move incorrectly, I'm gonna tweak it again. Right. Right. How much weight do you put on something like that, having played in the NFL, having dealt with injuries, and still being an evaluator of talent because you call these guys, you know, in, in college football? Mm-hmm.
5: He, Jackson Smith and Jigba specifically, he's a guy that that made several attempts to return to the lineup last season, three different times where he started practicing again and, and even – was able to get back into a game lineup a couple of different times for Ohio State this season. So, you know, there was there was part of a perception during the year that started to circulate a little bit that they're just thinking, oh well he's, you know, he cashed his name, image, and likeness check. So he's just kind of, you know, opting out for this season or something like that. And it really wasn't that. That wasn't the situation with him. He tried constantly. Like you think back to Nick Bosa during his, you know, his what would have been his final season in Columbus with uh-huh. Ohio State. He had his uh his kind of, you know, uh a hernia issue or like an oblique type of problem somewhere in his core. And he ended up just leaving, going to train with his brother, Joey. And he said, I am opting out. I'm not going to come back. I'm not even going to try to return this season. I'm just going to train with my brother. Who's already in the NFL with the chargers and just get ready for the NFL draft because he had already put enough film out there to know he was going to be a first round pick. That's not what Jackson Smith and Jigba did. He tried to come back and be a part of what could have been a national championship puzzle for the Buckeyes this season, but these soft tissue injuries just kind of lingered with him over and over again in his legs, and you know, and, and part of it happened where he kind of hyperextended his leg a little bit. and He just had this area right behind his knee that just never got completely healthy. So what's going to happen with the talent evaluators? This part of where the NFL is different than a lot of these other leagues, where like in basketball you can pretty much get away going through the NBA draft process, like that pre-draft time. You really don't have to share medicals with people. It's a very different process, and it's a part of where DeMora Smith, the the guy who runs the NFLPA, he's kind of saying, like we we need to go more in that direction. Do we really need to have a combine? Do we really need to have a draft? Do we need to sort of force players to be in this position where they're sharing all this information with teams all over the league? I remember when I went to the combine, and I'd had a, a lot of different injuries, a lot of them orthopedic issues, and even in college at Iowa. Let alone once I started playing professionally. And so I was just kind of stuck. When we our second day in Indy, they basically send everybody to this kind of. You know, almost like a car wash kind of setup where if you're anybody, you bring some of your medical paperwork with you. But any injuries you've had in college, some of it is documented, some of it is not. And so you go through, you basically get kind of get interviewed by the various physicians wow. and trainers that are there. And then they say, OK, here's what we see in your paperwork. We're going to send you over to the hospital to get an MRI on your shoulder, to get an X-ray on your really? back. To get, yeah, all this different stuff that they, they end up sharing it league wide with everyone. And so you kind of have this one main database that all the different NFL teams can get. To see what your physical ailments have been. And if they want to get something retested, it's gonna happen right there. I recall just like laying on a table. I got the trainer from the Lions tugging on the leg. Moments later, I got the the athlete, like the team doctor from the, the Falcons is over here twisting my shoulder because I had separated my shoulder my senior year with the Hawkeyes, and there's all this different stuff that goes on. But everyone in the league has access to that in sort of that one-stop shop to evaluate right. you medically. And that's actually a point that Ryan Poles ended up making last week. As much as anything, like, yeah, you don't want to fall in love with a 40-time. You want to trust your film and do all those things. But the biggest thing that a lot of teams feel they still get from the time at Indy is the medical evaluation and being very specific on where a guy's at physically. So for someone like Jackson Smith and Jigba, who had impeccable film from the previous season but virtually no film from this past year – Running the forty is going to be big when he gets to Columbus, but
2: besides that, just where he's at medically is going to be a huge deal for him. That is so wild. I mean, but you're absolutely right. What team, if you're going to invest that much money into a player, doesn't want to move your shoulder around a little yeah. bit just to right. see what that range looks like for mm-hmm. themselves mm-hmm. instead of having to guess? That's 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 great stuff, and I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that with us. All right, he's Anthony here, and I'm Gabe Ramirez on the other side. Speaking of Ryan Poles, he did get a bit candid along with Matt Eberflus. Uh, with the guys over at Pardon My Take, and they they tried to raise a red flag on Iberflus uh, for this one particular reason. Uh, What is it, and do you think it's a red flag? We'll find out on the other side. It's Gabe and Ann right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score.
1: Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. oh <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your
4: cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived.
1: Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
4: Leading ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L King. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at Kingstheater.com.
5: Yeah, you don't want to overcook it. I mean there's times where you can overanalyze this thing and start to spin. Um, and you're getting too many opinions so there's there's a time to shut it down and you feel comfortable everyone's on the same page because the way we meet we're all in the room together it's a collaborative deal and it, it truly is I mean we'll go at it if there's two different opinions which is fun um, but then when we make a decision everyone's on board so we, we grind we sprint and then we try to take some time to, to gas up so that we have clarity when yeah. We make yeah
2: it's Ryan Poles talking to the part of my take gentlemen about, you know, not wanting to overanalyze scouting a player. And, and we talked about it a second ago about, you know, trying to believe your eyes. Right. And yep. not necessarily, uh, you know, stick to something else. Believe your eyes. Believe the film. Believe everything. Tyler Butabar, our producer, he's killing it right now. Getting us these clips. I just I just text you uh, a different one. Heard? Heard? Got you. Got you. Appreciate that. <laughs> um you know, it's cool to see Pauls and Iberflus kind of loosen up a little bit. And as I mentioned, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll play this clip where uh, they said it's a red flag. They think that this one particular thing is a red flag for for Coach Iberf, uh, coach Iberflus. And we'll get to that in a second. But I do want to, you know, stick to business for a second. All right. Um, I, I just can't imagine a situation where you're overanalyzing. I can see where you fall in love with someone mm. too much. I don't think that's necessarily overanalyzing, but, like, I'm thinking the GM feels one thing, coach feels another thing, your scouting department feels something. Like how are you supposed to manage that, you know, that pulley effect that's happening yeah. there and try to land on the right spot? It's especially after
5: you start to meet these players in person, then you know, there's relationships that can develop a little bit where you kind of if you meet a guy, you start to root for him, you really like him a okay. little bit. And so that can cloud your judgment if you're – because it's one thing to be dispassionate about it and just say, well, the film tells me this, the numbers tell me that, so he's going to be a great player. But also you do want to get a sense for, for these prospects as humans, as guys, to see if they fit in your locker room. Are they – you know, had the, the Jalen Carter conversation for weeks at this point. Now you get this bombshell story that comes about his involvement in the, the tragedy that happens there at Georgia after their championship celebration. So – You know, are you someone who's saying, I I have a sense for this guy, and I I really feel like I know him well enough or I'm willing to take that risk? Or do you feel like, all right, you know what? Maybe that's overanalyzing. You know, it's a subjective thing. That That may be overanalyzing and saying, you know what, just because I like him in the room doesn't necessarily mean he's worth that risk. Whatever risk we feel is associated with Partly if you say, you know what, he's not a guy who hustles as much as we would like on the film. And now there's been a couple of sort of infractions that have been there throughout his playing career where, you know, he's a little too, you know, drives too fast multiple times. We we feel like he's a little careless publicly. Is that something that we think is worth the risk if we're going to draft him this high, if he's going to be a top five kind of guy? And so you're trying to balance the personality with the – you know, with, with the physical traits, with where you're slotting him within the draft. And it might be as simple as, well, You know, if we're trading down to four, maybe we're willing to take this guy. But you know what? If we trade all the way to six, maybe we really don't feel as strongly about it. And, and that may be where Ryan Pohl steps in and says, you know what? I got two guys who work under me who are debating the value of four versus the value of six. And you say, you know what? If we love the guy – all right, maybe mathematically there's a small difference between four and six, but in the end, let's not overthink it. Let's say we're, if that's our guy, let's just take him and not worry so much about just whether or not that pick is worth it just with a couple of slots different. That would, that would be an example of yeah. something you can
2: kind of overthink. It's crazy, man, because as a fan, we're so sick in the head. Like, we'll sit there and, and, and create scenarios in our brain, and it could be the furthest thing from the truth of what's actually happening because yeah. – you know, I'm I'm looking at this, you know, the just, just call it a top ten pick, because we all know they're gonna uh-huh. be trading out of the one, right? Yeah. So, you know, I look at this top ten pick and i and I think to myself, Self? Self? <laughs> you know what they're doing in there? <laughs> <laughs> they have they have a top ten board. Right. That they've that they've solidified like, you know, weeks before the draft. Mm-hmm. Right. But I always find myself like creating this movie like scenario where, you know, they do trade down to X pick, right? Mm-hmm. And they think that they have the guy pegged because they're like, oh, we have, we already did a top 10. Uh-huh. Hey, we did our due diligence. We don't want, hey, guys, hey, here's what we're not going to do argue in the draft room, okay? Uh-huh. So that's why we have this board so that the 10, we can argue second round, third round, have, so you're trying, trying to avoid the Kevin Costner,
5: Dennis Leary situation yeah. from draft day. You don't want, want that? No problem. You want me. harmony
2: on draft day. But then in my mind, my sick mind, I see the the that moment coming and then I just see chaos. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, this guy's still here, or this is still (laughs) happening. And I'm just like, like, what a high pressured situation. They call them war
5: rooms for a reason, man. They, They do, because it it can. And you know,
2: every organization is a
5: little bit different. Every draft process can be a little bit unique. But dudes go at it in there. I've had a number of specific stories told to me. Like when you talk about the the term standing on the table. There are definitely people who take that as literal as it can be meant, where they are on the table, you know, kind of pounding the table You're for specific <laughs> prospects. And sometimes, if you have a strong relationship, a strong rapport, whether it's, it's, it's a position coach and a scout, or a scout and someone else from the personnel department, or two different posi- a coordinator and a position yeah. coach who have opposing views. On someone or your capologist is in the room you're saying well if we take this guy here we slide it or can we get a player who's involved in this trade as well and is it worth it are we thinking in the immediate or are we really trying to build towards the future all these different what feels like infinite factors end up playing into that moment where you are yeah. on the clock and the pressure is as high as it can get in those moments so yeah man guys can go at it
2: i i now now you said that now my my Movie in my brain mm-hmm. has people fighting.
1: <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like a John Wick. A throne, it's right? like John Wick and uh, uh, the Matrix in there. People are like, "F you, no, right? I
5: told you." Uh, all right. you know you you want a healthy degree of chaos it's yeah. going to feel chaotic because it's so yeah. pressure packed and just the way Ryan Poles is kind of describing it you know it's not going to be harmonious you want a, a respectful degree of chaos yeah. is going to play out there
2: uh, well we, we can't I can't wait to see I wish I were flying <laughs> on the wall however um they, like I mentioned earlier the guys did ask uh, Matt Eberflus an interesting question that they might that they considered a red flag. And I thought this was just a classic because there's no more Matt Ibrafu's moment than this one right here.
0: Coach, I, uh, I have a red flag of, for you as okay. well. And I'm not sure if this We'll is, see if it's a red flag. Well, we yeah. I'm too not too sure too if too it's too. a real fact, right. but it's a fact that I read on the internet. So I'm pretty sure it's real. Okay. It says that you have four cats. Oh,
1: no. Incorrect. Are
0: I have you t- two cats. Oh, okay. no. They were
1: adopted when I was in Dallas. Okay. Okay. And named after the movie Frozen. Anna and
0: Elsa. Okay, so it's incorrect. So the four cats thing is, a, we can dispel that. De- Don't you, use
2: your
5: kids to
0: get out of this.
1: No, if you're a cat guy, it, it you're a cat, like cat. guy. <laughs> well, kids. I've, yeah. been, I've been around ladies my whole life, so I got uh-huh. two daughters, and I got my wife of 27 years. So uh, they are certainly cat people, and now I am a cat person. Can,
0: so. can you? Can we say definitively that we're drawing
1: the line at two cats? Because you get three cats, you might as well have seven. Right, <laughs> you're a crazy I, cat guy at agreed. that point. And 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 like sometimes you look at the cats and you're like, I kind of wish this was a dog. Yep. Do you ever do that? No. Oh. No. Okay. That was <laughs> no. that's, that's, I never that's feel put, like taking him out for a walk. No, that's no,
2: a red flag. No. Yeah, yeah red that's, flag. A red flag. Be- that's a red flag. That's a red flag. I have a cat and so I, I this this sat with me, you know what I okay. mean? And I was yeah. like, don't attack him. I hear what he's saying. <laughs> I never want to go walk around the block. I used to have a dog. I never want to go walk around the block with a dog and pick up their poop. No. Nah. Ever. And by the way. It's not fun. It's not fun. Trust me, I know. <laughs> quick, quick, little one. There's a sign in front of the daycare that my kids go to mm-hmm. where they curse and everything, and they're like, "Pick up your dog, blank." Okay. The yeah. camera's watching, and then I, my, I told my wife, I go, "Do you think that sign is really doing anything? Like, do you think anybody really feels threatened?" And all of a sudden, I go, "When someone doesn't pick up their dog poop, it's because they don't have a bag." So did I did I, did I curse? Okay. <laughs> thank you, thank you. They don't have a bag. So what I said would be better, in practice, because we're about solutions, not problems. I said he needs to put a little roll of bags mm. at the bottom of his sign because I've been on the walk before where I was like, oh, damn, I left the house without a bag.
5: Let's not assume everybody's as considerate as you. Like, if you do it and it's just a mistake or you're underprepared yeah. for the moment, that's one thing, man. I, I see some of you dog people. I know you got a cat yeah. right now. I'm, I'm just I'm going to pigeon, yeah. pigeonhole you as a dog person. I for have a dog. Yeah, for, for the case yeah. of this argument here. I see you dog people out mm-hmm. in the streets Some folks, you people, yeah, yeah. I see some of you dog people out there in the streets, man. And some of y'all are being considerate, doing what you're supposed to do. Some people, even if they do leave it, they look a little bit bothered by it. Might even check around, almost see if somebody's watching them. Damn it, I was on Roosevelt Road last week, (laughs) man. Literally at the light on Roosevelt, a guy stopped traffic in the middle of Roosevelt Road so his dog could do his business didn't think about now i guess if he would have sat there and continued to stop traffic to pick it up then that would have been an even bigger problem but he's got horns honking at him and everything while his dog does what he does and then keeps it moving so i mean i don't know between dog people and cat people out there which ones are more annoying i know in public the dogs are the ones who tend to present more problems because
2: they're the ones out the house If there was a roll of bags in the middle of Roosevelt, this wouldn't be an issue. Ah, All right, Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, on the other side, Rich Eisen had five rumors that have been swirling in his head and around the combine. What are they? Because one of them has to do with your Chicago Bears. We'll discuss that after the break. It's Gabe and Anthony right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score.
1: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island